Anyone else need to lift anybody up in prayer before we pray this time? I think all three of Dustin and Lindsay's kids are sick again. Landon has strep. I hadn't heard from Grayson. They carried him to the doctor yesterday, running a high fever. So when one gets it, they all get it. <laughs> Definitely pray for them too. Just hope brings back. Robert Nell's doing better. Uh, Robert's still not quite back to far. Uh, Nell says she thinks she is, but uh, anyway, just remember. I'm still praying for y'all. Anyone else? Yeah, my cousin I passed away. Um, well, he actually passed away two weeks ago and I found him yesterday, or the week ago yesterday. And so my cousins are, you know, there were eight siblings and he's just one of the young boys that he passed away. So it was real traumatic for them. I would just remember the hall found family. Well, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Brother Bo, if you don't mind, we leave us in this prayer. Our dear Father, we thank you for the day and the blessing of the day. We thank you for being with us, Lord, and, and helping us and guiding us. Dear Father, we ask now, dear Father, that you be in this service. Give us receptive hearts, Lord. Dear Father, to, to the whole leading of the Holy Spirit. Yes, God. Lord, and we ask that you be with Brother Roger as he brings a devotion and as, as he teaches. And be with all the other teachers, dear Father. We, but that, and Lord, we we ask that you be with Brother Wayne and, and uh, Brother Chris as they lead the singing yes. today, dear Father. We ask that you give them the uplifting of your heart, dear as they um, try to lead the songs that you would have us sing, dear Father. And Lord, we ask a special blessing for Brother Steve, dear Father. We ask that you give him the the message that we stand in need of, and Lord, give him um, blessings for his efforts, dearly Father, and Lord, we ask that you give us a receptive heart that we take it and apply it to our lives, dearly Father. Lord, we ask you um, your special blessings on, on all those that were named, dearly Father, yes, uh, that needs your, your help, dearly Father, in this time of need. Lord, we ask all these great blessings in the name of Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 Y'all can be seated. Uh, Chris and I was looking at some songs last night, and and uh, as Brother Bo was praying there, I think this would be a great song to sing. This is, it, this is pretty much a kid's song, but it's, it was going to apply to all of us. But look at page 185. Jesus loves me.
that's another yeah, song. Never, ever, ever get old. <laughs> never get old. Uh, anyone got anything like to share before Brother Roger comes and brings our devotion this morning? Again, it's so good to be here. And uh, if you love the Lord this morning, say it. Amen. 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 And Brother Roger, you come and share, please. Bless you, Lord. Be back out this morning. Uh, be among my family. A lot of people say they're church people or friends, but they're my family. Y'all are my family. I love y'all. Um, good day today. Uh, the uh, I think the weather's changing a little bit again. Probably gonna get a little cooler again. That's okay. Uh, it's that time of year. Um, the fall of the year is uh, is a pretty time. It's uh, you know it's it's a uh, it's a time when if you if you look at it wrong it could be it could be uh negative to you you could think well everything's dying the tomatoes are gone the peaches are gone the leaves are falling and it's going to be cold but it's really you know it's just really something that happens so that the the, the there can be a renewal in the spring sure and everything comes new again so um uh, i love the seasons all of them uh, uh they just uh you know, I can't wait till spring gets here. I can't wait till it gets warm. And then I can't wait till fall and then, then the winter. And I'm still a kid. I can't wait to see if it's going to snow. But uh, it's, uh, you know, it's the world that he created for us. And I enjoy it. I enjoy it all. Sure. I, I did. Um, unfortunately, there's uh, uh, a big element of people, large element of people that don't really see the beauty in the creation or the creator. And, and they get caught up in things, and, and I, you know, we did that. Young folks, we had to have everything that came out, you know, new car every once in a while, bicycles, boats, and whatever it caught our eye, we, we bought. But you know how much of that stuff is left? I don't know where my bicycle is. I don't know where the boat is. It's gone. Uh, I don't know where all those cars are. They're probably in a scrapyard somewhere, or already been crushed, melted down, or something. Those were vanity. They were things, you know. Some of them were necessary. You got to have a way to get places. But uh, the things of the world come and go, just like the seasons come and go. Uh, things that, that 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 we buy and purchase, and we think they're they're so good. Um, that new car you buy, you know, three or four years later, it's it's going to be three or four years old and have the problems that comes with that. But the things that, that God created, renew on their own, and they are, um, uh, they're made perfect again every spring. They, they, do their, they do their flourishing through the summer and, and feed the, the, the world, and, and then we start all over again. We let it rest, and then we start all over again. But I'm going to read a little bit uh, here from uh, Ecclesiastes. If you'd like to turn to the 11th chapter, of Ecclesiastes, the last uh, uh, the last chapter in the book, I think. Yeah. And um, starting in the 8th verse of the, uh, of the 12th chapter, excuse me, the 12th chapter. And it says, um, Vanity of vanities, saith the preacher, all is vanity. And moreover, because the preacher was wise, he still taught the people knowledge. Yea, he gave good heed and sought out and set in order many things, uh, many proverbs. 
The preacher sought to find out acceptable words, and that which was written was upright, even words of truth. The words of the wise are as goads and nails fastened by the masters of assemblies, which are given from one shepherd. <coughs> and further by these, my son, be admonished of making many books if there is no end. And much study is a weariness to the flesh. Then, he, then this, this is the verse I want to get to. He says, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments. For this is the whole duty of man. For God shall bring every work unto judgment with every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil. And, and, and you know, I guess older you get, the, the more you think about things like this, but um, the good things, the things that stay with you. Um, uh, the rest of that stuff is just bad things. It's just, uh, it's just, you know, except for the necessities, things we have to have, uh, most of the stuff um, is just things that, um, as my dad said, that's just something that's going to have to be fixed down the road. It's not going to stay perfect long. So uh, yeah, let's keep that in mind as we go, that, that the words we say, he, he spoke about seeking out wise words and good words, uh, and he talked about teaching good things to people. And, and, and that's part of our duty, too, is the, uh, the next generation coming along. We, we need to show them uh, the beauty that's here and the, and the real things that endure and don't go away and don't rust and don't uh, um, get traded in and sit down the road to, to be destroyed. Um, they need to see the beauty that's here, too. And, uh, and, and that's... Uh, that's something that I think Elaine and I have noticed uh, in our lives. Um, we had a friend who posted a picture of a tree. And he was talking about the perfection of that tree. And Elaine and I see it all the time. And every time we go by, I said, there's our tree. I said, that's the most perfect oak tree I've ever seen in my life, I think, in this area. And it's just, uh, it's got a perfectly symmetrical canopy. And it's sitting right out in the middle of a field. And it's just, uh, it's never been cut. It's never been trimmed. And it's just, you know, it, and I, I just, when, when Tyler posted that picture of the tree, I said, well, there's our tree. And we're not the only one that notices it. But as a young person, I don't remember noticing trees and stuff. You know, I, it was just, I was focused on where we were going, what we were doing. And, and Elaine will tell you, I was the world's worst at trying to figure out the best way to get somewhere the quickest way and see if I could beat the last time I did it. You know, <laughs> if it took me four hours the last time, see if we could do it three hours and 45 minutes this time. Um, not that way anymore care how it takes me to get there. We'll see everything between here and there. But anyway, the duty of, of us, the duty of man, is to fear God and keep his commandments. And if we do that, we keep everything else pretty straight. Sure. Um, I think that, uh, that uh, in the uh, uh, scriptures, it'll, it'll show you pretty much if you do God's will then the other things will fall in place. So uh, that's what I got this morning. Has anybody got anything you'd like to say this morning before we take our classes? <coughs> if not, at this time we will we'll go to our Sunday school classes. Amen.
your kelp and teach your now. Does this line work? Me and Marilyn walking. Yeah, you see that line? Sweet. Okay, it's, it must be shut. Well, no, it's the wire. Okay. You'll find out when they turn the lights on in the back. Oh, Okay, Brother Mike sent me a note this morning, and I think others got it too, that it was time to elect a Sunday school teacher out here. And immediately I heard the train going by, because he's not here to address. <laughs> uh, has anybody got any thoughts on this? You know, I have never heard anybody teach exactly like Brother Michael does. He brings out things that would have never crossed my mind. Um, anybody else got a nomination? If not, all those, Brother Michael. Any opposed? Okay. Now, do we do as an assistant or do we just do a committee on that? Um. He wanted an assistant, but I said, well, don't you just uh, ask him if you feel like you're glad to ask if you know you're not going to be here? And he said, well, yeah, pretty much. And I said, so you really don't need an assistant? And he said, well, we really, I guess, should have one, so I don't know. Who would you have for an assistant then? Chris. Hmm. Anyone else got a foul? Well, all in favor of Chris? Any opposed? All right, there goes the clues. Train just went by. <laughs> um, it's hard to railroad. That's what I'm talking I think we were in, um, here. the, um, we're in the uh, 18th chapter, is that right? And we got to about verse, I, I wasn't here last week, so I think, from what Brother Michael told me, and I did listen to some of the Sunday school lesson uh, on the uh, podcast. I think we're at about the 20th verse of the 18th chapter, and um, it's uh, right after um, the men, the men, the Lord and probably two angels came to see Abraham, and uh, they were um, they were on their they were on their way somewhere else, but they stopped by to see him and. Uh, in the 20th verse, um, they, uh, it, it, it kind of changed gears here. It had been a meeting that, you know, that it was kind of a, just a friendly deal. They kind of changed gears here. It said, And the Lord said, Because of the cry of Sodom and Gomorrah is great, and because their sin is grievous, I will go down now and see whether 
they have done all together according to the cry of it, which is coming to me, and if not, I will know. And the men turned their faces from thence and went toward Sodom, but Abraham stood yet with the Lord. So they had a little separation there. The, the men went on their way, and the Lord stayed with uh, Abraham. And um, this is uh, this is a section of scripture. You know, you, you hear people say, "I don't know why the Lord just don't take this place and do away with it." This is this has always been an answer to me. Uh, as we go through this, I'll just read through several verses here. Um, Abraham uh, decided to question the Lord. And he said, And Abraham drew near and said, Wilt thou also destroy the righteous within Peradventure there be fifty righteous within the city. Wilt thou also destroy and not spare uh, the place for the fifty righteous that are there? And then he decided after his question, I guess he had to kind of, he was going to kind of justify his question. He said, per, um, um, that be far from, the, from uh, thee to do after this manner, and to uh, slay the righteous with the wicked, and that the righteous should be as the wicked. Uh, that be far from thee, shalt not the judge of all the earth do right. And, uh, you know, it was, uh, to me, it was like, it seemed a little bit presumptuous that, that uh, Abraham was kind of giving the Lord instructions on something that would be right. But I think he was just trying to justify his question and, and, and the thoughts behind that. And the Lord said, if I find in Sodom 50 righteous within the city, uh, then will I spare the place for their sakes. And Abraham answered and said, Behold now, if I, uh, if I have taken upon me to speak of the Lord, which uh, am but dust and ashes. Now, he, he kind of brought himself back down a little bit. Mm -hmm. He's like, I brought myself to speak to the Lord, and who am I to do that? I'm just dust and ashes. Um, but he said, Peradventure there shall lack five of the fifty righteous. Wilt thou destroy all the city for the lack of five? And he said, if I find forty and five, I will not destroy it. And he, Abraham, spake unto him yet again and said, Peradventure there shall be forty found there. And he said, the Lord said, I will not do that for forty's sake. And he went to him, uh, and he went, uh, and he said unto him, Oh, let not the Lord be angry, and I speak, and I will speak. Peradventure there shall be thirty found there. And he said, I will not do it if I find 30 there. And he said, Behold, now I have taken upon me to speak to the, uh, to the Lord. Peradventure there shall be 20 found there. And he said, I will not destroy it for 20's sake. And he, and he said, Oh, let not the Lord be angry. And I will speak yet but this once. Peradventure 10 shall be found there. And he said, I will not destroy it for 10's sake. And the Lord went his way as soon as he had left communion with Abraham. And Abraham returned to his place. Now that, that little uh, back and forth there between the Lord and Abraham, um, what do you think Abraham's purpose was in that? Well, he knew that Lot and his family were in there. And he knew that 
Lot was righteous, and uh, and he may have even presumed there had been more there in, in, in Sodom and Gomorrah that were righteous. I think it was. I think you're right there. I think he was. Uh, he was watching out for his his own, mm -hmm. as uh, you know, as we do. Um, it was. Um, you know, you just you just want to protect your own, and and he knew the city was going to be destroyed, and uh, he didn't want his family to be destroyed. Or his uh, I think Lot was his nephew. Is that right? Uh, didn't want didn't want uh, the, his acquaintances to be destroyed with that city, and um, I think the Lord showed great mercy there. If he could find 50, 45, 30, 20, 10. He wouldn't destroy it for ten, and uh, and when people say now, you know, I don't see what's keeping the Lord from coming back and destroying this place. I think there's still righteous people praying. Sure. I, I still think there's uh, uh, there's hope on earth for uh, lost people because of little assemblies like this and big assemblies, uh, other places. You know, wherever they're met together in His name, uh, I feel like there's uh, there's still a chance for people to be saved and. Um, Lord's uh, uh, showing mercy by extending time and, and, and not uh, being hasty with that. Um, you know, we were fortunate enough to see our grandson baptized. And, uh, you know, that's, uh, that's something that we've been looking for for a long time. And, and God was uh, gracious in granting that, uh, that, that we got to see that. And we're looking to see others. And, but uh, I think it's because of God's mercy. That, that time goes on. Uh, surely he gets uh, uh, frustrated with us as his creation at the things that we do and uh, the things that we uh, allow to be done. But uh, there's, uh, there's mercy in that, uh, in, in that uh, continuing of his existence here. Anybody got any comments? Y'all help me out here because this is, this, is this is not my bag of uh, tricks here to do this kind of stuff. But, uh. I just have a, like a geographical question, I guess. So is Sodom and Gomorrah like two different cities in like kind of a suburb is kind of what I'm thinking? Yeah, I think they're two cities, right? I think so. In, in, in similar proximity to each other. Yeah. Okay. Maybe like, together, you know. I think. Bluntsville and Cleveland or something, you know, maybe close together. Now, um, in the 19th chapter, um, the two angels that left early apparently got to uh, got to Sodom, and, and you know um, the uh, when, when when Lot chose to to go, he said Lot pitched his tent towards Sodom, and uh, apparently he moved on in. He, he moved into the city. He didn't just stay in the plains near there. He, he became a member of the city. And some people even think that Lot may have been a, uh, an official in the city. Um, held some position because, it's, as it said, uh, in the beginning it says, and, and there came two angels to, to Sodom even at night. And Lot sat in the gate of Sodom. And Lot, seeing them, rose up to meet them. And he bowed himself with his face toward the ground. And he said, Behold, now my lords, turn in, I pray you, 
uh, into your servant's house and tarry all night and wash your feet and ye shall rise up early and go your way. And they said, Nay, but we shall abide in the streets all night. And he pressed upon them greatly, and they turned uh, in unto him, and entered his house, and he made them a feast, and they did bake unleavened bread, and they did eat. Now that was a very similar thing that Abraham did. He, he bid them come into his house and, and gave them uh, opportunity to wash their feet and, and clean themselves up, refresh, and, and he gave them a, a good meal. And Lot did something very similar here. But uh, we're going to see a little bit later that, that Lot didn't see the urgency that Abraham did um, with the commands of the angels, or commands of these men. Um, but not too far ahead here. Um, also, I think when Lot was inviting them in, and they, they were, the angels were wanting to stay out in the street there, he was inviting me, and I, th I, and you know, I may be wrong, but I kind of think that he, uh, he w didn't want him to see his neighbors, and uh, wanted him to come in the house. Lot knew what kind of condition Absolutely. that he had voluntarily moved into, mm -hmm. and uh, and I think that, and he respected these men, the men of God, of angels, and and he didn't want them to, to, to. To see what well, they already knew, God sent them there. But to see the condition around them, uh, the embarrassment maybe that would have been to that. Yeah. I, I think that's right. Um, um, you know, I, I, I've often wondered um, if we heard uh, that Jesus was coming to our house, would we have to go straighten up, get things out that we didn't want him to see, or would it be okay for him to come in like it is? Um, he, he didn't want to be there and, and see that uh, the condition that that city was in and the, and the way that people were. Um, let's see. Okay, after he pressed that came in, he says, verse 4, but before they lay down, the men of the city, even the men of Sodom, compassed the house around, both old and young, all people from every quarter. And I think that, that verse tells us of the um, uh, extensive nature of the, of the wickedness of the city. It said people from everywhere, old and young, and from all quarters of the city came. Uh, and... Um, he said, and they called him the light and said unto him, Where are the men which came into, uh, to thee this night? Bring them out unto us that we may know them. Uh, they were, you know, these, these men are wicked. I mean, I don't know a, a better word. This is just wicked. Um, help me out. What, what other word would you use there? It was just the wicked nature of this city. These men wanted to defile these men that came to visit Lot. And, uh, you know, I think Lot did a, an honorable thing by getting them into the house, getting them into safety. Uh, but these guys were not, um, these guys that came to the house were not, uh, they were not real passive. They were pretty aggressive in, in, in what they were trying to accomplish here. 
And Lot went out the, uh, out the door unto them and shut the door behind him. And he said, I pray you, brethren, do not so wickedly. Uh, I, I think it was a custom at this time that when you had a visitor or visitors at your house, um, you, were you were obligated to protect them and, to, and to, to provide them what they needed for the time they were there. And uh, I think Lot was, you know, he knew what, he, he knew what these men were uh, after, and he knew that it was up to him to do his best, I think, to keep, uh, keep his visitors safe, keep them in, inside and safe. And uh, it, it, it almost is ironic here that before we get through this little this section, uh, the two men actually probably saved Lot here because they reach out and, and grab him, bring him back into the house. But this, this, uh, um, Thomas didn't even know that abomination then, it still is. He don't change. He don't, uh, you know, he don't modify with the, with the times. He doesn't change. It's still an abomination. Um, this next verse is troubling to me, and I need a lot of help on it. He says, Behold, now I have two daughters which have not known man. Let me, I pray you, bring them out unto you, and you do to them as is good in your eyes. Only unto these men do nothing, for therefore uh, came they under the shadow of my roof. I don't understand that verse. I, I really don't. Um, and, and, and it gives question to me uh, as to um, Lot's family. Uh, you know, in, in a little bit further down, you, right now we see Lot with his wife and two daughters. But then there's speaking later of sons and son-in-laws. And um, I don't know, uh, I don't know for sure exactly what the nature of that is. I do know that at this time, um, if a daughter was betrothed to Mary, uh, the man would be her husband. He would be called her husband, and she would be called his wife. And we saw that in... Um, the story of, of Mary and Joseph. When they were betrothed, uh, it said that Joseph being her husband and Mary being the wife, this was before they were joined as, as husband, what they were called that. So I don't know if that kind of a situation came into play here. I don't know if these daughters were um, engaged. I don't know if there were other daughters. I don't know if there were sons that maybe had gone out of the house. I would say there were other daughters. Yeah. Oh. I think the verse goes to me partly to the depravity that Lot had allowed himself to become accustomed to because he knew that he, he there was something that he recognized the angel of the Lord to try to protect them 
but a ghost. You know, I, I can't think, but it just as I said, that Lot had become accustomed to the gravity of the city in some regard. You know, I raised two dollars. Can anybody try to do any harm with me over my dead body? Why in the world? I don't understand it either. Yeah, I, I agree that, with you. That's a troubling verse to me in my understanding of it. We don't. We uh, we can't. We can't really uh, identify with a lot of these things in the New Testament. I mean, in the Old Testament, where people just were not as civilized as we consider ourselves today. So I don't, I can't understand that, but I, I know that would not be in the words of a, of a loving father protecting his children. We're going to see later on, they had to drag him out yeah. like it was. Yeah. So. Anyone else thought of that? Well, I, I think it's hard for us here in the United States to, to understand that the culture in the Middle East, even today, um, he probably would not have let the men touch his goats. But the goats, on a social status level, are slightly above the women. Um, you know, they're, they're a source of income, and so a man over in the Middle East right now would probably protect his goats more than he would his wife. Uh, now, that's hard for us to believe, but he would see that as the way he makes his income. So, and this has always been a hard, uh, thing for me to understand too. Um, if somebody came and wanted to hurt Linda or, or Nikki or, or Emily, uh, like as Chris said, they would do that over my dead body. And it would be after I ran out of ammunition, I assure you. But um, they... Uh, that's not likely to happen, is it? No, and that's not, that's not likely to happen. Uh, it'd take a while anyway. Um, I think you make a great point there, because you got such an example of what's going on in Iran right now. Is the right. women are really coming out, and they will be suppressed. Uh, but right now, they're really coming out because of the woman that was killed and yeah. died in custody. That there's not a lot of value put on her. That's her right. Life by the, and so that, they, that was a great point to make. We, we don't identify no. with, with that. Well, and you know, I, I don't want, I, you know, if, if you want to be Muslim, you know, be, be Muslim. But, you know, who am I to tell you what to do? But I think that Christianity, you know, and I'm not talking about denominations, I'm talking about Christianity we're told to love our wives as Christ loved the church. Right. And so Christ put the church in the highest regards. Sure. The only thing higher in, in, in Christ's regard than the church was his father. And, you know, and his father sent him to die for the church. So, you know, that's the difference. I, I, I think... Um, you know, uh, Muhammad was was very rough on his wives, and 
and you know, it, 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 you know, it's just hard for a Christian to understand that because I'm supposed to love my wife, my wife as Christ loved the church, and and I do. And that verse goes on to say that he laid down his life for it. That's right. That's exactly right. right. Uh, you, you were talking about the relationship of the value of, of, of women and animals. Uh, we had a, uh, Elizabeth had a friend, and uh, she was on some of the softball teams and stuff. They were on a mission trip one time to Africa, and she was just a young lady, you know, just a teenager probably, maybe. And uh, one of the, um, um, I don't know what they call them, the tribal lords or something, offered so many animals for her if they would leave her so mm -hmm. uh, she was valuable to uh, so many animals worth you know for yeah. uh, for the life of a, of a young lady and of course they didn't they brought her home but <laughs> uh, that was an instance that it's like well, it's, one of, those, it's one of those things that we don't understand you know we wouldn't trade our children for 10 cows or 10 goats it's just not in us you know that's just not that's not the way that we as christians have been taught you know, war does something to people when they have to war. And our son made three trips overseas, and he's, he has a hard time with Iranian men because he said during that time over there, he said it was nothing unusual for a man to strap a bomb to his child or his wife and send them in to the war zone. He said, I don't have any respect for a man that can give his child or his wife like that. And another thing Chris said a little while ago is like, we get kind of, um, uh, well, like, you know, Lot got, I guess, accustomed to the wickedness around him and the, the depravity around him. If we're not careful, we can do that. I mean, do you remember ever seeing anything as a child that just scared you or shocked you? It you didn't want, and and now it's pretty common, and you just go on like it's an everyday thing. We need to be careful with those kind of things because uh, we're, we're already used to a lot. Sure. Yeah, we've yeah. That's what I'm saying. We, we need to be careful that we don't just become accustomed and accepting of everything that comes by. That that you know, we don't violently uh, react to things, but we stand firm with our our faith and our belief that. Uh, it's wrong, and and uh, it's like most said me to go. You know, whatever somebody wants to be, that's between them and the Lord. I, I I can't make everybody what I want them to be, but in the same sense, they can't make me accept uh, accept the uh, the premise of what they're saying that is true. Uh, I'm not going to change what I know. Um, you know. To, to uh, the, the, I guess the, the common thing we're seeing now is is uh, men wanting to participate in women's sports. Well, that's wrong in my mind, and it will stay wrong. Uh, you know, we have um, we have some um, a degree of um, I, I guess something about us that we need to protect our children, protect our ladies. And, and keep that um, pure as it can be. We have to be real careful too 
of what we're teaching our children in school, and we need to teach them at home what is right. Um, I don't suggest taking them out of public schools, but I sure don't suggest that we teach them that boys can go in our false restrooms, and there's been too many incidences where girls have been hurt like that, and I think we need to be real careful about what the dogs do. Well, I'd like to raise a question. How, how do, how would we advise young parents raising kids? And I remember seeking the advice of a, a beloved preacher friend when my kids were young. But how, how do I deal with this? Um, so, because uh, to one of the funny, this I look back on this and I think it's funny a little bit now. But um, I I have a distinct memory in my mind when I was a little boy, my daddy getting up and slapping the um, off button on the TV because we wasn't watching that clip. Well, you know what it was? We was watching Sanford's son, and Fred Sanford made some little off-color remark. But it was turned off. And so now, compared to today's standards, we wouldn't give up anything like that even a thought. Right. You know, so that's the difference. So what 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 would our advice be to for our children or for our children's children, our grandchildren, you know, growing up in this society where you cannot protect them from hearing and seeing things that you really wish they would not hear and see, but you cannot protect them from it. So how do you, I'll raise that as a question, how do you deal with it? I can't give you a definitive answer on it, but I do know this. The things that I learned as a little guy coming up like this that were put in me as core beliefs and core things that are right and wrong, I still have those. And I'm thinking if we don't get them while they're kind of little, the core beliefs that they got, they're going to get are going to be the wrong ones. And it's hard to break that. It's hard to, uh, it's hard to change what you grew up believing is right and, and, and pure. So we've just got to be real careful to, when those things come up, that um, and we explain to them in a logical way that, you know, that's not really acceptable. That happens around us, but uh, we can be among that, but we don't have to be a part of that. And uh, there's certain there's certain phrases that people use constantly that just grate on me. Um, and and I, I guess they're not profanities, but when you when you use the Lord's name in an exclamation, like something happens and, and you yell out that exclamation that everybody uses, that bothers me. It bothers me. I have three, I had three she has three sons. They were pretty close together. And anytime they had friends over and somebody did that, one of the boys, you know, my 
know, yeah. whatever. Oh, 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 are we praying? And that broke those boys from saying that around her. <laughs> well, that was, that was a good tool then, right? Well, that's one thing from speaking of raising, a, we're still raising a young woman, is I hear that there's basically two generalized different perspectives on how you should raise a child these days in the situation of public schools, that sort of thing, is one, like you said, you protect them, you keep them from seeing all kinds of evil as much as you can, keep them from being around that stuff, you basically put a hedge around them as long as you can to build that foundation so that when it is time that they are mature enough to go out into the world to know what to do and say when they are faced with those decisions, when they are not with us. Or you get those other families or parents that say, well, you can't protect them from everything. They gotta know what's gonna happen when it's coming at them. You gotta know, when, you know. So you have those two different, those are the two generalized perspectives from different parents that I have heard. And I am definitely more on the side of let's protect, let's show them, let's give them that foundation, that solid foundation to know how to act when their brain is mature enough mm -hmm. to know right from wrong and know what to do when they are faced with it when they can't be with us, when they're at school and stuff like that. Because that is literally happening right now with Kelton in second grade. You know, when I was a kid, y'all come on in. When I was a kid, I've told y'all before, I liked to go fishing when I was a little boy. My daddy would never let us fish on Sunday. And I never really knew why, but to this day, I won't go fishing on Sunday. It was taught to me as a kid. You don't fish on Sunday. That's the day you go to church. You know? I thought you'd drown if you did. But uh, <laughs> uh, anyway, like I said, I never really knew why I couldn't fish on Sunday, but I didn't question it. I just didn't fish on Sunday. And and as I grew up, I still walk. I still walk. But uh, anyway, it's it's it goes it goes back to getting to them when they're when they're young. They get the core beliefs right in there. I believe, and, and then it will be it will be harder for them to get away from that. Brother Roger, let me say this. Um, I know we're fixing to be done with Sunday school, but um, the question is, why did Lot do what he did or say what he said? We can't fathom that. None of us can. But. Look at the first, the sixth and seventh verse before you get down this. It said, And Lot went out at the door unto them and shut the door after him. He was wanting to try to keep this thing as private as possible. He didn't want these angels that had come, nor any of his family, to hear or see what these men were doing. Um, the seventh verse says, And he said, I pray you, brethren, do not so wickedly. He was in such a predicament that he was willing. I believe that it's natural that, he, that God gives us a natural desire uh, for a, a man for a woman and a woman for a man. I believe in it, and, and we can argue that that it's a sickness that if you don't think like that, it's a it's way God made you or whatever, but. This was so considered so wicked 
during this time. And if God doesn't change, it's still wicked today. And so Lot was probably thinking, and his, his daughters were probably pretty fair to look at, I'm sure. And he said, maybe if I offer my daughters, they won't try to go in and attack and rape these angels that have come that God has sent. Sent you, my guess. But they were so wicked and they were so set in their sin and their evil desires that even the offer of his daughters didn't appease these men, but they were interested in the angels that had come into his house. And uh, we, we, can't, we can't fathom the, the, the shape that Lot was in there, but that, I believe that's where he was. But I think he probably knew these people. Sure. Because he, he asked to call them red. Mm -hmm. And I think they closed the door. He didn't want them hearing what they were doing. Well, I, I, I think that... They need to ring the bells. It, oh, they're out. They're out. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Uh, oh, I can quit later. Oh, oh, yeah, just ring the bell. Um, when, when you re refuse to worship God in, in some form or fashion, there's a hole in you. But now that hole, you know, nature abhors a, a vacuum. So something's going to rush something into Something becomes your religion, whether it's homosexuality, whether it's man-made global warming, or whether it's, it's uh, Antifa. Something fills that hole and it becomes a, a, a religion to you. Uh, and it, uh, we, we see it, um, we see, on, you know, on their, our TV, if we watch the news, any at all, we see what a person will do that, ha that doesn't have God in their heart. There's no limit. No, there's not. And, and they, evil will talk, I mean, talk, good will tolerate evil because we're taught to, I mean, in, in reality, we are. We're, we're taught to, to feel like that every person that has value. But evil will not tolerate good. You know, there, you know um, we saw that in a big way during World War II when the, the Nazis were trying to get rid of all the Jews. Um, not, not saying that the Jews are good, just inherently good, but, but they saw they, you know, that is, is where an, an evil was, was being perpetrated on a group of people. And they did it with a, with a passion, you know, and, and we, you know, there, there's other examples of that. But where we get away from worshiping God and, and finding our standard in, in his word, um, something will fill back in in that hole. And it will rush in. Yeah, and it'll rush in, and uh, there'll be a passion there that, that uh, you know, under, you know, uh, does not have understanding. Well, I've always thought good and evil is light <coughs> And if you take, you know, if, if you go back here to these, uh, we've got uh, dimmers on the lights. If you just start 
dimming goes just a little bit at a time. The light goes away a little bit at a time, and we adjust to it. We don't notice it too much. But if you come into this building and it's a night where there's no lights outside and all the lights are off and you get those dimmers just a little bit, just enough to make these lights glow, it makes a world of difference. Yeah. So a little light in a dark place makes a world of difference. And, and, it, and the darkness can't tolerate it. When the light comes up, it's light. There's, there's light there. But if we're not careful, if we just let it go dark a little bit at a time, before we know it, we're, we're running around like barely can see. But we didn't really, it's kind of like the frog in the water. You put him in cold water and put him on the stove and he'll sit there until he boils. But you put him in hot water, he'll jump out. Uh, we don't need to let things just slide really at a slow, slow rate that we don't notice it. We don't notice it till it's really bad. Anybody got anything else? Good to see everybody coming in. Yeah. All right.